0: I thank you for joining us here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it's always a pleasure to be bringing these programs to you. I will dispense with our preliminaries just because I say it all the time, so I'll let you know about all of the good stuff uh, later on in the program. We're going to dive right into our interview with David Erdman, the author of The Ten Commandments of Marriage Secrets. Of a divorce lawyer. David, thank you so much for joining us on the program. Unfortunately, it's due to the fact that we have what I found out going through my first divorce, uh, David, was technically, legally, a lawsuit. I did not know that at the time. That is correct. Welcome to the program and thanks for joining us.
1: I'm delighted to be with you, Richard, and delighted to be with your audience. So yes, thank indeed. you for the privilege of speaking with them and you.
0: You are very welcome. I'm very interested in the conversation we're going to have. Uh, I don't know why, but the first thing that came to mind when I read the title of the book, The Ten Commandments of Marriage, uh, was I was thinking of Moses coming down, the, uh, down from the mountain, and he was actually carrying three tablets. Oh no. And uh, this is sort of a comedy bit with uh, Mel Brooks. And I see. Uh, he begins to raise the tablets. I bring you the 15. One of the tablets falls, crashes to the ground. 10 commandments. Uh, so there were originally.
1: Well, 50- I have used the. Uh- the image of the two <laughs> remaining tablets on my book. So,
0: so and, and yes. I jest, of course. I jest, of course. Uh, but first of all, I want to share with you real quickly that I had a divorce lawyer, female, and her slogan was "Reasonable Solutions for Reasonable People." Following my divorce uh, process with her, uh, she got out of the business because she just she'd had enough. She just didn't want to deal with it anymore because of the the bitterness, especially the attorneys. Uh, my ex, my former wife, I don't know if I like calling her my ex, but my former wife uh, had an attorney who was a sleazeball. Why do I say that? Because he also helped her sister in her divorce. And while my former wife and I were in his office waiting for him, what was he doing? Hitting on my former sister-in-law. So kind of tells you where he was coming from. Anyway... Not all well, may lawyers. I, may I
1: respond to what you've already said? Absolutely, sure. Go
0: ahead. <laughs> this is the chart I show my client. Uh huh. I, I, I have a bit
1: much nicer one I show them, but I drew this for you. Okay. This is the reasonable row and the unreasonable row, and this is the reasonable column and this is the unreasonable column. Ah. There are four people involved: a husband, a wife, a lawyer, and a lawyer. Right. It only takes one unreasonable person in the universe of four. To make the whole process more expensive than it ought to be mm-hmm. and and so i always tell a client when we've been fortunate enough to encounter what i call a reasonable lawyer a reasonable lawyer wants a fair settlement but they want it at an efficient and fair price mm-hmm. um, an unreasonable lawyer wants something they can't get but they hype their client up for that expectation so they can i hate to say it charge more
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but if if I'm up against some unreasonable lawyer, it's going to be unfortunate because it's going to run my client's fees up
0: yep. unnecessarily. Yeah. Well, and I have to tell you that the process for me began, I was served on May 1st and I was actually able to make the joke, oh, this gives a new meaning to the phrase Mayday. Hey, um, <laughs> anyway, once I kind of got my bearings in June, it took me a month. I was a... I was weird. I was an emotional basket case for a month. Uh, and I uh, went to this uh, lawyer, cost me $50 for the consult, which I appreciated. I told her, I says, okay, this is what we've got. I've got, there are four things, four elements here. There's the house, uh, there's the debt, uh, there's my business, and then there's the divorce, you know, the, the separation. And uh, I was willing, and I, of course, I was, some well, say, one of those
1: four is the problem. <laughs> the <business. laughs>
0: Well, that's true. That is true. But I, uh, I was given away the, 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 the farm, so to speak, because I was going to allow her to keep the house. I would take the debt, which I knew what I was going to do with it in the first place. Is that was when, I was when we were done with the divorce. I was going to file bankruptcy. It just you know made sense. And, of course, that was one of the stipulations in the decree was neither party may discharge the debt through bankruptcy. Well, I found out that's illegal uh, because uh, bankruptcy's is federal, uh, divorce is state, and federal always trumps state. Anyway, um, so uh, um, I, I went to her and I proposed this settlement. And she looked at it and she said, Sounds reasonable to me. I think that, that shouldn't be a problem. Well, eight months later and $3,600 in the hole, they actually finally accepted that proposal. Um, what I suppose I could have done, but I think it would have dragged it out, was saying, OK, this is what I offered you at the beginning of this process. You are going to pay my attorney's fees. That probably would have dragged it out even further. So I just thought, you know, I'm just going to cut bait and get the heck out of the water and, so this, and move on with my life. And that's what I did. This, and I, I think that there are a lot of people, male and female, who feel that way. This and very day. Why? You,
1: this very day.
0: Yes. I told.
1: I called up a client and said, you know, this lawsuit's just begun. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and make a serious offer to settle the whole thing and see if we can truncate the process and save you some money. Mm -hmm. And under our rules, if we make a written offer and the court ultimately awards the other side less than we offered, they do have to pay our attorney's fees.
0: Now, in what state are you?
1: North Carolina. You're North
0: Carolina. And obviously every state has different laws. Arizona, which is where my first uh, divorce uh, took place, uh, was a uh, community property state, which means that she should have gotten half the debt. I should have gotten half the house. And uh, I can walk away with my business, which basically I'm an audio producer. I'm a broadcast producer. So I'm the business. It doesn't matter what equipment I'm working with. You know, and I was working with old stuff, you know, old analog equipment. So they kept that. So how much is your business value? Uh, Nothing. There's no value to it unless I do it you know, that kind of stuff. And they just weren't buying it.
1: Yes. I call that the, um, the squirrel running in the wheel. (laughs) Um, uh, the the only, the only facet of the business that creates income is the hard work inside that wheel. Yeah. And, um, and yet, um, I don't know how it is in California, but I imagine it's similar. And that is you look at the, how much income this person's made and say, well, if it produces that much income, that's a valuable business. So let's talk about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I actually have been one of the champions here in Charlotte of 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 making the point that a solo worker of any sort doesn't have a particularly valuable business, no matter how much money they make. Yeah. They can't sell
0: it. Yeah, exactly. Sole proprietor, basically. By yeah. the way, I learned a very valuable lesson in 1994 when I first uh, tried to go uh, to to start my business, which was called Fast Forward Audio Communications. I get to the end of the year, I start filing my taxes. Did not know I had to file out these extra forms. When it was all said and done, I owed about as much to the IRS as I did in my divorce in two th- in 1998, 98, 99 actually, 99, uh, three thousand dollars. Uh, and that's when I shut the business down. Uh, ostensibly, I was no longer going to uh, uh, do that. And I said, the next time I open my business, I start a business, I'm going to make sure that as the first member of my staff is a CPA, who will make <laughs> sure, who will make sure, and probably have to have a lawyer too. Maybe I can get one who's a CPA slash lawyer, you know, kill two birds with one stone. I want to ask you before we continue here, why would you get involved in these kinds of they are domestic situations where again you know it's a lot of times that the emotions are running just sky high most of the time
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you that I believe that people going through a divorce typically if they've never been through one before of course it's a first experience for them and to a very large extent, they uh, they they absorb the personality of their lawyer. If their lawyer says, "Let's go beat the tar out of them," the client thinks, "Well, that's the way it's supposed to be." If their lawyer says, "There's got to be a better way than going to full boil on the on the stove from the very beginning," let's start at one and work up through the numbers on the stove dial. Mm-hmm. Um, if the lawyer says that, then the client typically accepts that as the right approach, and so that's been my approach my entire career. And so, so it's not as difficult for me and my client. It's difficult when we when we get the roadblock thrown up by the unreasonable person in the other box. Um, but 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 my job, I'm not a golfer. But understanding golf, you play the ball where it lies. I have to play it where it lies when they come in the in the room mm-hmm. and we talk about where they are. Also, I'm blessed to be the son of a of a father who was an excellent surgeon and had a placid, calming bedside manner, and I think I absorbed a little bit of that. Mm. So I'm not. I, I care very much about my clients, and I think about them a lot. But I do. Um, have pretty good boundaries in my own mind
0: well I, I gotta tell you it, it is fascinating to me uh... to look into a lot of this because ever again th- these are all state matters and each state has different laws and and you wherever you're living is what you have to deal with I don't think right. that it's uh... uh... of course then there's the other issue too there are a lot of people out there who are not there's no certificate they have what's called a common-law marriage and some, some states have that yeah my and state does not i have heard. i'm aware of
1: it i'm sorry well we all know that lee marvin didn't he get into trouble with a uh, 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 some sort of common law marriage the actor i think that yeah, right? i Doesn't think you're what right. happened to him yeah
0: i think you're um, right
1: and it way, seemed- i think it's kind of funny that a guy from north carolina is having any conversations to advise people in california and of course i'm not <laughs> giving legal advice in california no no no. but uh, I, I i do think if you've watched Matlock, uh, years ago uh, they look at the southern lawyer and, and say well that's that's different yeah and uh, the the marriage aspect is pretty much the same yeah
0: yeah across America
1: I would say the laws are different as yeah, you yes
0: exactly we're talking with uh, David Erdman he is the author of a book we're talking about among other things we're going to talk about is the Ten Commandments of marriage secrets of a divorce lawyer and that is why we have him on the program because regardless of the different laws from one state to another you're still dealing with the same kind of dynamics and we're gonna talk about that as we continue here on tell me your story where new paradigms for a new world is what we're trying to bring forward and we're trying to understand the different choices that are available to you give you the knowledge of those choices the ins and outs if you will to help make your dreams come true and yes if that is that you, you <laughs> like me, you wanted your freedom after your first marriage or you'd like maybe to find a way to fix it, you know, just because you're and, and David, you'd probably uh, uh, agree with this at, to some level. I would really love to be able to bring the divorce proceedings to a halt by virtue of figuring out how you can bring these people together not specifically you because you're not a therapist per se or or a counselor or a mediator but it it, you know boy it would be nice to save all that money that time that angst to try to fix it
1: well the reason people ought to do uh, ought to address their marriages you know, by the way, let's, let's go back a step. Sure. The reason I wrote the book is not because I want people to get divorced. It's absolutely because I want people to learn how to avoid getting divorced. Right. And when a lawyer like myself, and so I wrote a book called The Ten Commandments of Marriage, Secrets of a Divorce Lawyer, The the subtitle was designed to intrigue the potential reader into thinking they're going to learn some secrets. Mm-hmm. Well, they are going to learn some secrets, but they're. I have sat through more than 5,000 initial consultations with people who are in some stage of distress in their marriage. And from that, I haven't learned 5,000 ways to mess up a marriage, but I've certainly seen a hundred or more. (laughs) And so by writing and putting in the positive, Mm -hmm. one of the things I say about my 10 commandments is nine out of the 10 of them are positive Mm. suggestions. The only negative suggestion is thou shalt not allow children to obstruct the marriage. This is a problem sometimes with very young children. Um, mothers sometimes, um, understandably, mm. are so attached to the child they just to whom they've just given birth that they don't want the daddy to drop the child. And and all of a sudden, the child is something of an obstacle. All of my other commandments are positive, like. Thou shalt learn to resolve differences. And you don't have to come to a lawyer if you can do it yourself. Right. And and in fact, the tenth one is thou shalt learn to apologize and forgive. Because we're working our way through all the aspects of a marriage. I'm particularly a believer that that equality between the spouses is is, is the is the guiding principle. And in fact, I talk about and people, I'll tell you who ought to read this book. Anybody who's thinking of having a premarital agreement ought to read the book. I'm not opposed to them completely because there are valid reasons. I use the, uh, I use the Notting Hill story. You know, in Notting Hill, uh, Julia Roberts is a world-famous actress by a different name. Mm-hmm. And, and she falls in love with the bookstore keeper in uh, Notting Hill. And, uh, at, dear, and I write about this because I think it's fascinating. On the one hand, she goes back to him at the end of the movie and says, I'm just a girl who wants to be loved by a boy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's equality. If he says back, I just want to be loved by you. But you know what happens with a real movie star? Mm-hmm. Five lawyers get involved in writing their premarital agreement. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Julia Roberts and and her a uh, movie star husband are no longer equal, and they're not going to be equal. Yeah. Now, if I were the lawyer for that bookstore-keeping husband, I'd say, you know what? She is a world-famous star, and she has acquired this on her own. But how about this? From the day you get married forward, it's a 50-50 proposition. If she comes in with $47 million and keeps it separate, that's hers. But if she makes 50 more million while you're married, I think that should be 50-50. Mm. And of course, the other person's lawyers are saying, no, 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 this movie star has a sort of a, a, a stream of income. And again, stream of income from before the marriage, I agree.
0: Mm.
1: Newly created, because you know what? If those two people get married and they have children and the actress is off, filming for 90 days far away, who's taking care of the little kids, the husband at that point. And so um, if, if you've got anybody listening to the audience who's thinking about a premarital agreement, I'd like them to see the pros and the cons in this book, The Ten Commandments of Marriage, and think long and hard about the damage that can be wrought to their relationship by the lawyers getting involved, contractually yeah. designing their marriage. Yeah. yeah. No good. No Dave,
0: good. David Erdman's and, my guest, and we're talking about the Ten Commandments of Marriage. Um, uh, and actually, yes, that's right. The ten com- uh, I've just uh, scrolled away from it. There it is. The, the ten, ten Commandments, Commandments of, of Marriage: marriage the Secrets se- of a Divorce Lawyer. Secrets of Divorce Lawyer, right? Uh, which is David Erdman, and uh, you can go to a website which is ErdmanforCharlotte.com. We'll talk a little bit about that in a few moments. I, I so, actually, I actually have a new website. it's
1: ah, uh, uh, It's called. It's called uh, the, the, I believe it's still called the Ten Commandments of Marriage. Okay,
0: all right, then we will send people to that website. We'll be linked to it as well so that people can find out more about both you as well as the work that you are doing. Uh, And we're going to continue our conversation with David here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And uh, uh, one of the things that I find so interesting, David Erdman, author of The Ten Commandments of Marriage, is that I've heard this said that we need to make it harder to get married so that it is that much more difficult or avoidable to get divorced. You won't need the need for it. Now, my parents, who have been married for 65 years to each other, one, one, one. time, one time. My father and mother are still alive, doing well. My dad's 90. Mother's 87. And I wanted I wanted to compete with them. For longevity of marriage I was married when I was 23 I am now 61 alright I could be in two years could have been I should say celebrating 40 years unfortunately it lasted 15 uh, I'm now in my second relationship again common law 23 years and um, so it's, it's like you have to read a manual and pass both a written and a practical test to drive a motor vehicle, a machine that could kill another human being. And I have to tell you, and I'm not proud of this, I've hit another human being with my vehicle. Thank God it was from a dead stop. I was turning left onto a side street, and so I was barely accelerating. Uh, He actually walked away. He walked wow. away from the situation, even but there was still a claim, there was still a settlement. No yeah. lawyers were involved, which was very nice, according to my uh, uh, agent. But uh, yet, when it comes to a marriage license, there is no manual to read, there is no written and or practical test to take, and it seems as though uh, we place a great deal of, of a great deal more value on the operating of a machine then we do the operating shall we say of a relationship in the context of marriage
1: well i'm i'm going to i'll tell you something that you might find interesting uh, some states have what is called a covenant marriage north carolina does not have that i don't know if california has it but a covenant marriage is is literally in the statutes and they have it in louisiana um if if a person if they get People can get married like you or I got married in a normal, simple ceremony. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: In a covenant marriage, it's a higher process to get married, and it's near about impossible to get unmarried. And um, I've been told by clients who came from Louisiana that this originated from uh, Hurricane Katrina that uh, people were leaving their marriages to get out of the state, get away from the hurricane fear. And so the legislature, um, again, I've been told I haven't Mm -hmm. researched it myself because I don't Louisiana, don't do Louisiana law, Mm -hmm. but uh, the legislature created this brand of marriage covenant marriage, which is harder to get out of. You have to be separated longer. You have to do certain uh, acts to get out of it. So what you're describing sort of exists even in America.
0: Yeah. But no,
1: you're correct. Yes, you're correct. Yeah. There are no rules uh, for it. Uh, People have to make it work for themselves.
0: Now, I've I've had on this program a couple. We were talking about marriage, and uh, they are both uh, uh, faith believers, okay? And um, got into the conversation about what constitutes a marriage. Because the first marriage, if we want to call it that. Uh, was between right. Adam and Eve. Right. Well, there was nobody to perform the ceremony, so they were common law, at least by my by my definition, they would have been common law marriage, married. Yeah. Um and of course they were partners in the whole thing until quite honestly, from the way I recall the story from Genesis, um I have a feeling that Adam sort of threw Eve under the bus, you know, after they partook of the uh, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, you know, kind of God said, what the heck's going on here? Well, she, she, you know, I mean, that's kind of the story. It's her fault because she ate the apples it's like, wait a minute, you're a partners in this. Then that's one of the things that I want to no. talk a little bit no. about. They, they, they both got banished. They did both get banished. He was just as guilty as she was, regardless of the fact but I want to talk about the, the uh, aspect of the partnership. And you talk about them being equal. There's an element within modern-day relationships where, and you kind of alluded to this in terms of the finances, because that always seems to be like at the top of the list when it comes to how they're, what they're going to divvy up, the debts and the assets. When one of the partners, once married... Wants to have, and they don't have any other assets, okay? They have no other, she, she doesn't have $43 million that she's bringing with her, all right? You're, you're kind of both starting out square one. and said both of them are getting married.
1: Okay, I want to make sure not getting divorced yet.
0: Not divorced. Okay. No, 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 they're, in the okay. mar- they're okay. getting married. Right, They've gotten see. married. They're actually married now. Oh, okay. And they decide, okay, we're going to go to the bank and we need to open a joint account that we both will have access to, equal access to. So we both will know. And of course, in in today's modern day, uh, you put the app on your phone. You can constantly see how much money we've got so that we don't overdraw. But one of the partners wants to have their own account. Some people
1: call that financial infidelity.
0: And seems to me, yes, that's kind of where I'm going with this. It seems to me that that person... And again, I'm not casting aspersions or judgment here because that's just what they've chosen to do. But it does seem to me, yes, that this person apparently feels that either... uh, uh, One of the elements is they want a certain element of independence from their partner. Their partner. Okay? And so when it comes to paying bills... All of their income goes into their account, and they must then transfer whatever's needed in order to cover the bills, which makes it very complicated to the other partner who might be doing that, taking care of them. Now, let's throw one more element into the mix, my friend.
1: Oh wait, what you described so far is very
0: common. Okay, and it's and and I liked what you said. It's financial infidelity. Um, the other person likes to have the money to spend does not want to know about the details other than to know there's enough money in the account to spend That's right. and that when the financial details do come out they get all flustered and upset and bent out of shape and it's like well if we had one account that you have access to that you would have an app on your phone to see how much we have so that you don't overdraw the account we wouldn't be having this conversation. And you might, you, you I'm you curious might, as, be
1: right. how but, do you get but, uh, around, you know, is there a way a to get around that kind of reason. thing? It's a lot easier to divide up assets than it is to divide debts. Oh, so, they, yeah. So so if, if, if the other spouse has their own account and can't overdraw it, in other words, they can't go five or $10,000 into a line of credit, uh, then whether they got zero and there's their problem. But of course, if they do run a big debt and then there's a divorce, uh, it's both people's problem.
0: Yeah. Because they are married. So everything that each of them may have as in an individual is theirs collectively as the married couple. That's our law too. Yeah. In Arizona, that is the case, um, you know, and so forth. Now, I want to come back uh, in just a moment uh, to talk about the Ten Commandments. I want to go through them slowly, one by one. I know there's someone out there going, Richard, you keep mentioning the title of the book. It's the Ten Commandments of Marriage. What the heck are they? And he's you know, he's already mentioned one, <laughs> shall we say, the one negative one, so to speak, about children uh, getting in the way of the couple, so to speak. Uh, that's I'm paraphrasing here.
1: Uh, by the way, I love children.
0: No, and I know you do, and I do too. I don't have any, but I think they're great. I just want other people to have them.
1: <laughs> right. Well, uh, maybe maybe even so, you'll understand that the uh, that, uh, one of the images I use, let's talk about the children issue for just a minute, because well, it but- might seem uh, as if, I believe, somehow negative on children. That's not it at all. See, this, the situation is this. Most people will tell you, and here you are a product of a marriage of two people that's lasted all these years. Mm-hmm. That's They had a solid core together, and whatever children, whatever siblings you may have had, and you were in the orbit around that solid core. And so you saw what good looks like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You saw it, and, uh, and you benefited from it. Uh, that's that. So what I'm saying is if you put the children between the parents, you are messing up the marriage and ultimately you're not serving
0: the children well. I love the phrase you used. They're in the orbit around the married couple, the parents. We're going to talk more about that as we continue here on tell me your story, new paradigms for a new world. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. My guest today is David. Uh, Erdman, David Erdman is uh, here. He's talking about the Ten Commandments of Marriage, and basically, these are the secrets of divorce, uh, secrets from a divorce lawyer, and that is David Erdman. And you can go to the Ten Commandments of com to find out more about the book and David as well, who, interestingly enough, I kind of like this, David, was born. On the fourth of July. And there's a song with that line in there somewhere. I <laughs> that's right.
1: That's George M. Cohan. A real yeah. live nephew of my Uncle Sam, Uncle Sam. born on the fourth so, of July.
0: And at that, I was born on a marine base. So uh, Camp Lejeune. There you there you go. Absolutely. Well, we want to jump into the Ten Commandments, and uh, I know that you've got them numbered, but however you wish to present them from highest priority to lowest, I know that they all have their level of importance. Where shall we begin? Number one, the ten, the first commandment of uh, if, if uh, marriage. The first, and as sort of to paraphrase
1: the Bible, and the greatest commandment is thou shalt be equals. That's the first one, and people who master thou shalt be equals don't need the other nine because they don't need me to tell them how to run their lives or their marriage. But for the people who don't master number one, they need to be told number two, Mm -hmm. thou shalt be a team. Think of yourselves as a team, a
0: partnership. What's good for one of you is good for both of you and feel that way. By the way, uh, before we go on to three, just those two alone bring to mind a question that was posed to me in re- in reference to thinking about my relationship and the question was and she said don't answer it now think about it what does unity look like to you in a relationship and of course you nailed it in the last uh, in our last segment there in regards to the role model that I had of my parents yeah now let's look at number three
1: number three is Thou shalt stay close to your spouse. This is a little bit touching on the issue of infidelity. When people, rather than running again, let's use the orbit, use the orbit image again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If people are running in separate orbits in their lives, I'm not saying that's not a good marriage. That's for them to decide. Mm -hmm. However, I am going to say that the odds of them not needing each other and not needing the relationship grow as they go in different orbits. So I say, if the wife is doing something and she says, would you like to come along to her husband? He should say yes. And furthermore, if he, if he, if she doesn't, if he doesn't get invited, he said, may I come along? So that they're doing things together. They're seen together mm-hmm. by lots of people. Yeah. Because, because that's part of, that's, again, I understand. Some marriages work with great distances between them, but the best marriages that last are doing as much as possible together. And that's why I say commandment number three, thou shalt stay close mm. to your spouse. Commandment number four is something we all want, and that is to be appreciated.
0: Mm. And I
1: call it thou shalt appreciate your spouse. You know, we we thought our spouses were fantastic when we married them. We thought we were fortunate to get to marry them. And our jaded eyes sometimes look at what we'd like to change about our spouse. And, well, can use another biblical quote? The moat in the eye that uh, somebody criticized um, Jesus and he says, what about the log in your own? Uh, It's a matter of it's a matter of, of, of recognizing what's great about your spouse and, and sometimes people need to be reminded about what's great about their spouse because you know, when infidelity starts, it's often
0: because someone
1: else does appreciate your spouse.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I will tell man, you before, before you go on to five, that you, okay. raises, uh, raises a very interesting point uh, in that the, the, the roles of men and women not husbands and wives but men and women has changed a bit and especially in light of the Me Too movement now I was raised with four sisters a brother a mother and a father so I was in the minority (laughs) okay and I'm proud to have been in the minority because they taught me a lot not just about what women were like but about their intelligence their independence their confidence etc
1: by the oh, way, everything you're saying is great. I I, I I endorse that.
0: Now, here's the deal. It I want to say it used to be okay. It used to be that when you, that you would uh, constantly be even after you get married, uh, the man would always make the overtures the man would always woo the man would always do all of those things to show the woman. That's not to say that she didn't, but the stereotype was it was all the man's job to make sure as the phrase goes, happy, happy wife, happy life. Right? I don't know if you read any of my book, but the next commandment is thou
1: shalt communicate. This is to both sexes. Mm -hmm. Thou shalt communicate your needs. To make sex fulfilling for both of you, I have to get into sex because yes. it's part of marriage. Yes. And my my point is, uh, did, did, yes, you talk about the wooing. Well, I think I don't I don't I don't pick on women. I don't pick on men. But I do make the point that if somebody's going to come in my office and say we're not having a satisfactory sex life, and I sympathize with that, and and I'm sorry to hear it. And it and and by the way, if sex isn't good the marriage is potentially going to be challenged. But does this person know, for example, if it is the woman that she's got to make it clear what she wants and needs out of the sexual relationship. So uh, when you're four sisters, you probably never talked about sex with them,
0: Hmm.
1: but, but if their marriages are good, well, I'm not going to go with your parents. If, if if your sisters have had good marriages, then they have found a way, the husband and wife, to to know what each other wants and to communicate what they themselves want, to make it work. Yeah.
0: Well, believe it or not, my, my sister, my older sister, who is about a year older than I, and I have had that kind of a conversation recently. Wow. Uh, though she doesn't go into any, obviously, into any detail, because I know for her it's it's, you know, it's a little more... private, a little more personal, a little more sensitive, and I get that. Um, I'm a little more open in that regard, um, but here's the other element that I want to throw out there. Now, uh, I even shared this question with my sister. Uh, I would love to ask mom and dad when the last time it was that they had sex. Now, my dad's 90, my mother's 87, and we both know, David, you and I both know that our biology, our chemistry changes as we get older. I mean, especially, for example, from the single-digit years into the teen years, into the twenties, thirties, forties, guys are just going nuts, wanting to sow their wild oats, as it were. Um, but as we get, I'm 61. All right, my chemistry has shifted. But there are other there are other factors I'll I'll share with you later that my I I, I don't mind sharing this. I honestly don't. Because uh, I look at it this way. way. Before you do, okay, I want you to know I don't ask
1: clients personal questions. Right. I say you can tell me what you want to right. tell me, and right. you can keep secrets of what you want to see. Right. But if you want my legal opinion, you may be better
0: tell me enough that I can give you sound advice. Right. Now you say what you want. But sure. It's not because I'm making. No, no, I understand. But uh, and I look at it this way: God already knows every little tiny detail about my life, right? omnipotent omniscient omnipresent so what difference does it make if eight billion other people know and besides most of them don't even care they're too busy living their lives
1: by the way, I hope your audience is eight billion. I've got op- op- optimism for my book
0: i'm I'm shooting for that. I'm shooting We're at fifty two thousand listens on uh, SoundCloud and other uh, uh, podcast outlets and some seventeen to nineteen thousand on YouTube. So uh, the numbers are exactly. rising. but um, my libido basically is dropped off. okay? Well, now well, it's partly due that, to that's, chemistry. That's and- aging
1: gracefully. Yeah. is, is one of the basic rules, not in my book, but in that famous saying, the,
0: the, uh, the, uh, desiderata that says, desiderata. Uh, uh, yes. So
1: it, it's about, it talks about, uh, uh,
0: you are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. you uh, have a, right, you to have a right to be here, whether it is right. no, uh, aware known to you or not, the, earth, the the world, the universe is unfolding as That's it should. Right.
1: Exactly as it should.
0: <laughs> and somewhere in there, it talks
1: about uh, aging gracefully. Yes. And um, I've forgotten the exact
0: wording of it. Mm-hmm. But yes, I, I remember I, it. Yes. And I like
1: that you can quote it. Uh,
0: well, I, I listened to it many, many times in the 70s. As a matter of fact, it's a piece that we actually use uh, at the end of our broadcasts, among other things, uh, to uh, to just trying to keep people's minds focused on what's really important in their lives, um, but uh, here's the thing: what happens when? And 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 I'm, and I'm curious as to whether you have been able to negotiate with the parties. And yeah, the other lawyer, when it comes to these kinds of issues, sexual issues, the intimacy issues, and saying, look. We have changed and we're not able to meet each other's needs the way we used to. And what we had before, oh my God, we were animals with each other and it was wonderful and exciting and thrilling. But now we're in our later years and things have changed biologically and it's nobody's fault. It isn't anybody's fault. It's just what happened. And can you negotiate? You probably gave a vow about sickness. And in health. I do remember that line, yes.
1: <laughs> for better or for poor, richer for poor, for better, you know, mm-hmm. that type of thing. Yeah. And, and yeah, not only do we have to age gracefully, we'd like our spouses to age gracefully. Sure. So when we see uh, a man of some advanced age with some young starlet, we have our suspicions about whether that's good for her.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but, uh, who am I to judge?
0: Well, uh, we're not here to pass judgment on anybody. We don't want to do that. What we want to do is help people through what can be a very uh, traumatic and tumultuous time. As we continue talking with David Erdman on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we are discussing the, uh, the, the, the Ten Commandments of Marriage, Secrets of a Divorce Lawyer. David Erdman uh, is our guest, and the Ten Commandments .com is the website we encourage you to go there. We are linked to that website so people can go to your website there David and uh, read about it. I'll get it.
1: you that correct exact website. It's probably the 10 commandments of com
0: All right, 10 but, commandments but, of marriage. Did I just say I'll, 10 Commandments? I think that. yeah. Um, I think if the, you go to 10commandments.com you're going to get the 10 commandments <laughs> very likely.
1: And and and, and in fact, interesting enough, I wrote the book The 10 Commandments of Marriage based on a speech that I had been giving for probably 15 years to church groups and occasional civic groups. And people would come up and say, you ought to put this in a book. So when I wrote the book, I didn't pay any attention to the fact that there are other people who've written books called the 10 commandments of marriage, but none of them say secrets of a divorce lawyer. That's my book. There you go. And, and I noticed that I'd like to say that, mm -hmm. that looking at it from a lawyer's point of view is, is a little, Tougher on telling the truth, you know. If you if you if you if if you want a religious book, uh, I'm I'm religious. But if you want a religious book, there are religious books that are very clear. I mean, every every third page is going to say what Jesus or Moses said Mm -hmm. about the issue. Right. Uh, I quote Jesus a little bit, but I'm really without names quoting clients. And, and what has worked and what I see would make a difference. And I haven't said this yet, but I want to, I want to say it. Uh, I have always viewed as my greatest successes in my business, the people who ended up getting back together. Oh, yes. And I have, I have run into those people when I go out in the town and somebody walks up to me and says, you saved our marriage. And I go right back and say, no you saved your marriage. Hmm. I congratulate you, I applaud you, and I'm proud of you. Uh, I don't take any credit, but the credit I would be entitled to take is I didn't make it impossible, like some lawyers who scorch the earth between
0: the people (laughs) and make it impossible. Yes, the scorched earth concept there, you know, just burn it all to the ground and just start over. By the way, there was, and I still have the audio tapes, the cassette tapes, of what what's called the maximum, maximum. I think that's what it is maximum marriage series, and it was by a, a, a Christian gentleman, uh, and he was married, and he would share these stories, and he talked about experiences that he had in his in his. He was not a lawyer; he was a therapist, and he had the, the who would have the couple in the room. And he used this, he told this one story of uh, the couple that was there. And the woman, she was just blasting the husband. I mean, just, he was just awful. You know, ought to be sent to hell for being the way he was. And he looked over at the husband, and the husband is over in his chair, cowering, and tears are streaming down his face. And I have to tell you that I don't, I will, I do not speak ill of my former wife, nor my present wife, to others or in her presence. I never put them down. That's right. I, I, it's, it's like, what are you doing? You just built this incredible, incredible thing, the two of you, and you're going to chip away at it? Are you? And I see this happening all the time in the grocery stores and out on the streets walking. And and of course we see this a lot on television, where one of the spouses is always trying to get one up on the other. And I, I look at that going, wait a minute, you're a te- We talked about this already. You're a team. You're partners. What are you? Why are you trying to get one up on the other and hide stuff? I hate that. I, you know, I hate seeing that stereotype, but it's out there. Um, we want to move well, on. to they're not
1: being equals. Without so they being failed equals. on the first commandment. Yeah. And they're not being a team. Nope. They failed on the next commandment. Second commandment. And they're not appreciating their spouse. Exactly. They failed on that commandment. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if they
0: had just made sex fulfilling for both of them, maybe they'd overlook those other things. It's quite possible. And that's um, the other aspect of appreciation. Uh, I, at least... Once, if not more than once a day, I tell my wife that I love her, uh, that I appreciate her. We even have this phrase in Gaelic. At least one time. You betcha. Uh, We have this Gaelic phrase we learned when we took a Gaelic course. uh, And it's slan We had phone calls with it. When I left her this morning, she was home ill today, so she stayed home from work. I said, I love you and slan which means in Gaelic, um... Uh, uh, I will. I will see you later. Okay. Goodbye. Until later. Hasta Something along like those I'll lines. Yes, the, exactly. <laughs> but I do it in Gaelic because I like the sound of okay. it better, and so does okay. she. And of course, when I'm on the phone and there are other people in the room, they say, "What did you just say to her?" I, know, I told. Said, I said slang a fall, which means slang a fall. Slon, slon, S o s l o n. I think it would be uh, phonetically "guffal," G U, G U F, A L, guffal, and you can maybe talk, speak that into your phone, into an slán app or something. Slan guffal. Yeah. Great. What is the Irish trans? What is the English translation of the Irish word "slan guffal"? And you know, and it should be goodbye until later. Uh, So I do that on a regular basis, uh, showing her that I appreciate her. I appreciate everything she does. Uh, And even my first wife, the same thing. Uh, Not so much this long of fall. But when I talk about my former wife in spite of the divorce, I say, man, we had some great times. We went and did this and we went and did that. And we used to bicycle on a tandem bicycle all over Phoenix, uh for 15 years we did this. You know, and yeah, it ended in divorce. And so the, the end was not so great. But everything everything before it wasn't bad. It was actually good. I and I, by the way, that's another thing. Uh we talk on this program, David, about the power of words. That I, I say this very emphatically words have power. Yes, and mean. so you need to take responsibility. Yeah, you have the constitutional right of freedom of speech. Sure you do. But I personally believe that our founders left out the phrase, but you also take on the responsibility for the words that you have spoken freely.
1: We have to believe that our founders intended that thought and, and assumed, maybe yes. assumed mistakenly that, uh, yeah. that uh, everybody would honor that. Yeah, George Washington, for darn sure, was very conscious. Of, he, he didn't write the Bill, the Bill of Rights, but... Uh, George Washington was very conscious of of decorum, yeah, and being a good person.
0: Absolutely, uh, and, absolutely. And he
1: he would um, endorse responsibility for words.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I find I find uh, that many when again this is when I was working at the Christian station in the 80s and early 90s, uh, and that word was abhorrent to take responsibility for your life. It was either good things, and that was God. Bad things, oh, and that was the devil. And it's like, what are you, a puppet on a string being manipulated by forces you don't understand? I don't think so. And so I take full responsibility for my life and uh, the things that I say, the things that I do, and quite honestly, even though I don't always have control over them, the things that I think. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're going to uh, pause here for just a moment. I need to remind our listeners, this is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We come your way here on this program via the radio airwaves, Terrestrial, at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. on Sundays, 1 a.m. on Mondays, and then... Wednesdays at 9 a.m. That is our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And I have to tell you, uh, with David here on the program, this is a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. I'm very grateful that he's with us here on the program. Uh, We are also podcasting on SoundCloud and iTunes and TuneIn Radio with 52,000 listens in less than four years. And uh, we're also on iHeartRadio and um, many other locations on the Internet, and you can watch these interviews on YouTube. Just go to the Tell Me Your Story with Richard Dugan tell, uh, website or or channel, I should say. And uh, you can uh, watch these interviews and you can meet David at least virtually as we have our conversation. I want to now jump into the Sixth Commandment. All right.
1: The Sixth Commandment is thou shalt be visibly married. This also has to do with the threat of infidelity. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I happen to wear a wedding ring. I've been wearing this one for 37 years. And, um, and, and uh, this is the only wedding ring I've ever had. But I believe in wearing it because when people come in my office, by the way, we're sitting in the, my conference room, which mm-hmm. is why I say that I am. Mm-hmm. When people come in my office and they've got the ring still on, that usually tells me they wanna to try to save this marriage. If they've already taken the ring off, that usually means they're done with the marriage. Mm -hmm. So that's a pretty strong signal coming from just a little band of gold. But of course, I listen to see if their particular view is consistent with this generalization. Mm -hmm. But I'm a big big proponent of both parties wearing a wedding ring and being visibly married. And I'm gonna move on to the seventh because this is an interesting concept. My seventh commandment is, thou shalt lead a marriage-centered life. When I described that 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 core that your own parents had with five children in orbit around them, Mm -hmm. the marriage (laughs) as the center of the life of their lives was understood by the kids. The parents were a team. I'm satisfied they must have been to be together even until your daddy's ninety as he is. Uh, The kids understood that the parents were a team and that they were leading a marriage-centered life, and that's 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 probably the most difficult of my commandments because people, when, 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 when I'm a single man once upon a time, and I married a single woman, how do two people merge and not give away who they are? I Mm. believe in synergism. I believe they one plus one is more than two. Yeah. In fact, we see couples who let's say just in business, Accumulate millions of dollars because they work together as a team, a partnership where they trusted each other, and so um, I'm I'm a, I'm a big proponent of leading a marriage-centered life.
0: Well, I'll tell you that my parents, uh, when I was probably in my pre-teens, 10, 11, 12, maybe 13, um, they brought all six of us together. There were actually six. And by the way, uh, people think, oh my gosh, your parents must have sacrificed a lot to have you guys, especially with the visual impairments and the asthma and then of course all the instruments and this and that. And I have actually had my parents on this program. It's been several years. It has not been released to the public and probably won't until their passing, which could be quite a while. But in that interview, I asked them about that, and they said, absolutely not. We sacrificed nothing because we wanted a big family, whatever form that took. Anyway, they called us all together, and they said, we want to participate in a a program to help our marriage called Marriage Encounter. And of course, born and raised Catholic, that was through the Catholic Church, and I think, for the most part, in unison, we all agreed that, look, Mom and Dad, if that's what you want to do, we're with you. We, and there's six of us. If we can't keep this house going, we're not trying, okay? Because we all knew how to do the dishes because we had those chores. We knew how right. to do the laundry and all those types of things, right?
1: You were raised well.
0: I, I'd like to believe that, and I actually do believe that. Um, and I feel so good about that. Now, it was not Norman Rockwell. Uh, it was not a Norman Rockwell painting. And for those of you younger listeners and viewers, Google it, okay? <laughs> but I I, uh, I can't re- – I think I shared before I don't think I've ever re- – I can't remember a time when my parents ever fought in front of us, if they even did or or what have you. They definitely worked together on the finances. Now, my dad did work on the car. He couldn't drive. He has the same had the same visual impairment that I had before I got my lens implant. But he knew how to work on the car and fi- work on the engine and change the oil and, and check the tires and blah, blah, blah. Uh, my mother did most of the cooking, although my dad is a great cook, too. He makes some great refried beans. Oh, oh man. Um but one of the, the aspects of all of this that really comes home to me that even if I cannot pass it on to my children, which I don't have any, uh, I want to pass it on through these programs, uh, through my example. Even with my first wife and our home, that, the first home that we ever bought had a two-car two dr- gr- um, uh, uh, carport. So you had a nice wide side, uh, a sidewalk, you know, two-car sidewalk, and they had a basketball pole. And I put up a uh, backboard and, and rim. I painted it with the Phoenix Suns logo. I took a lot of time of to do that. And I invited the kids in the neighborhood to come over and play. And I said, this is not a competitive court. You are here to have fun. Okay? We're not, you know, this is not Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan going head-to-head here. Okay? Uh, and unfortunately, one of the kids, and I never found out who it was, apparently leaped up, and grabbed the rim, broke it off of the backboard i took it down i was so disheartened because nobody would own up to it and but i before that happened i was trying to foster the same kinds of things my parents shared with me as far as embracing if you will the children in the neighborhood the kids in the neighborhood saying, look here is a safe place for you guys to play if you want to uh... because i knew that the alternative was that they would get into all kinds of trouble and what have you um, you know, and that was just my little part. I'm, I'm hoping that something rubbed off on them. What about you in terms of your life? And we'll get back to number seven here in a minute. Uh, but, um, what about you and your, your legacy through, uh, you know, not just the work that you do, but also maybe your offspring? Well, I'm,
1: I'm very privileged. My, my wife and I uh, have two adult daughters. Uh, in fact, uh, they're, they're, put their pictures on the back of the book because
0: oh. that
1: sells yeah. a lot better than picture of me. I
0: like that, uh, very uh, good.
1: But, uh, but my daughters are both very accomplished. One is a nurse anesthetist. She's married to a dentist um, and and they have a very happy marriage. And the other is also very happily married. Uh, she is a school teacher in Manhattan um, and uh, they're doing great. And so I'm very proud of our children. And by the way, I always say, our children. I don't say my children because mm-hmm. they are. I'm part of this marriage, and then uh, we have a couple of grandchildren. Uh, they're so young that I haven't had a chance to uh, really teach them very much. But if I live long enough, I hope to share many, many experiences with my grandchildren, as I did with our daughters as they were growing up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and uh, we we we've uh, we've been very fortunate, and um, the arguments have been very few.
0: Well, and then and have you ever looked back at those few arguments and and thought what the heck were we arguing about? It's so unimportant or, you know, whatever the case might be. Well,
1: it, I must I must have done it because because um, my commandment 9 is thou shalt learn to resolve differences. And you know what that means? That means to argue without breaking up the marriage over it. And then Commandment 10 is so important and probably the one I need the most uh, from my wife. And that is, I'll apologize and she's going to forgive. That's the plan. And vice versa when necessary. Mm-hmm. I, I, my, my 10th commandment is thou shalt apologize and forgive. Because that's a two-part transaction. One person apologizes, but it doesn't do any good if the other person doesn't accept that apology yeah. and complete that. And and, and as, as a Sunday school teacher of mine once said, um, uh, it brings closure to whatever the controversy has been, both apologizing and forgiving. They bring closure and we move on. Mm. And, and by the way, I, I, I don't, I, I won't, my clients, by the way, are always happy to know that I've been privileged and blessed to be happily married. Because they believe me when I say to them, I am not in the business of breaking up marriages. And I've said that phrase to a client as recently as 24 hours ago, a new client. Mm-hmm. I am not in the business of breaking up marriages. But but there's a right way and a wrong way to deal with the legalities of a marriage that I can't apparently save and they can't apparently save. Right. And that is, again, to try to find Try to find something that's fair Mm -hmm. and try to find it as quickly and as inexpensively as possible. And by no means are legal fees inexpensive, but they can be fortunes and they shouldn't have to be fortunes. They should be proportional to what's being dealt with. Um, And so if a man's got the house and the business and the things you were naming, um, the fees ideally would be proportional to that.
0: We're talking with David Erdman and uh, the website, uh, the Ten Commandments of Marriage.com. And we encourage you to go there. We'll be linked. We'll have the link there. All you have to do is click on it, and boom, it's going to take you right there. Boy,
1: would and- you give we can do this off, off the line if you wish but I want to make sure I have your email address
0: I will pass that on to you as a matter of fact why don't I uh, share this with our listeners before we go any further uh, you just were talking about how expensive marriages uh, divorces can be uh, well uh, it is uh, not inexpensive uh, to uh, maintain a, a a broadcast podcast video cast, and if you folks can uh, do so if you're able to do so and only if you're able to do so and you are called to do so we'd love your support financially we have a Paypal Account. It is there for your security as well as ours. And the email address that uh, both David can use and you can use, uh, if you'd like to, uh, when you go there, you want to send and you click that and it says, okay, put in the email address of the person, Richard at richarddugan.com that is richard at D U G A N d u g a n.com and again i like paypal being the middleman because it uh, keeps track of everything and um, you know if you overgave and you said oh, wait a minute that was too much you can take it back and then send out what you want to send, or if it wasn't enough, you can send it out and, uh, and and it'll be great. We will take the prayers, the energetic support, uh, good thoughts and feelings. We'll take them all because uh, we can use all of that uh, to, uh, to keep this program going. And I will tell you, as I've said many times on this program, I will never put the burden on you, the listener, the viewer. It is on me. And if you can help me and support it, that's great. And when I am unable to and I can't keep it going, then that's on me. I will never guilt somebody into supporting this program. I want you to do it freely and openly, and uh, uh, feel that uh, what we're providing here on the program is of value to you and and other folks. And apparently it is because we got over fifty two thousand listens in less than four years on uh, on the SoundCloud analytics. So uh, new paradigms. New new paradigms for a new world is what we talk about. Uh, We talk about looking for those new ways of living because the old ways just aren't working. All you have to do is look around you. I mean, literally look around you, and it's a mess. Our economic system, and this, we're not just talking about America here. We're talking about globally. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, we're still doing, and and Einstein was right. He says, uh, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And that's what we've been doing, is doing the same thing over and over and over again. And we need to... Uh, This is another area that we might talk about here in terms of all of this. Um, We promote here on this program, David, what's called the uh, Decade of Perfect Vision. Started out with the year of Perfect Vision, 2020. 2020, exactly. And moved on to the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s. And here's what we ask people to do. We ask them to participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision by going within By listening to that still small voice, by finding that quiet, peaceful, calm space where they can relax, re-energize, rejuvenate, get inspiration, get encouragement, maybe a little education, a little wisdom that will help them move forward. And I'll tell you what, I don't know if if you are able to encourage the participants to do any of that uh, within the context of the process. But I'll tell you what, if people would just get in touch with that still small voice, it would help them immeasurably, and it could conceivably shorten the process, maybe even eliminate the process and the expense. Because quite honestly, what a waste of resources, of time and money. I'll tell
1: you something else. Uh, there've been a few Hollywood situations where people remarry. You remember, uh, I think Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor married. Yeah.
0: Twice. Oh yeah.
1: And I, and I, for some reason I think that Lonnie Anderson and Burt Reynolds married twice. I'm not uh-huh. sure about that. They did. But, 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 and, and, and so that, that tells us that people often made a good choice the first time mm-hmm. and only when they go out and find something else. Now you've been fortunate. You've been fortunate, so I'm not talking about you, but Mm -hmm. they sometimes go out and get to marriage number two or marriage number three, and they say, why did I ever leave marriage number one? It's The reason is because they didn't appreciate their spouse at the time, Mm -hmm. which is why there's a commandment that says, thou shalt appreciate your spouse. (laughs) You don't want to find out when you're on the outside looking in that somebody else appreciates your spouse, and now you do, too. Yeah. And think how many, there have been a thousand songs written about that mistake.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, one kiss came to mind. I was thinking about, I heard on the radio uh, recently, a uh, country song about uh, how that's not me anymore. You know, uh, texting her and doing this and that and the other thing. That's somebody else. That's not me anymore. But yeah, he was also good. talking about how the way he used to be. That's right. All right. And said, and that's not me anymore. And that goes to the heart of the song I wrote. I am a songwriter of one song. Uh, and the song I, is entitled... I have one record myself. I, uh, what's that now? I have
1: one recording record myself.
0: Really? Yes. Well, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm glad we're in the same club here. Uh, yeah. The title of the song is, uh, for me, is uh, I'm a good man doing the best I can. That's nice. And where I'm going is where I'm coming from. Now, that is... Sort of um, a, a cryptic um, homage to my parents, and how they raised me. That, that's very and, nice. That's and, a good uh, uh, and a very nice turn of phrase, I'll add. Yeah. Um, because uh, how they raised me is, you know, I mean, I, I've, I and again, I say this as humbly as I possibly can uh that uh my present wife's sister who's since passed whenever we would come to visit and even after we moved here we'd go out to the car and I would open the door for her and she'd get in and I'd then go around the other side and her sister would always say "Richard your parents raised you right." That's right. Now uh, uh you know just um, just to me that is a sign of appreciation. You know. Uh I don't know if chivalry is dead. I hope not. Uh, but what I do know is that, you know, I, I want to show kindness to everybody, male and female, men and women. Um, well, you know,
1: but, let, me, let me point out, some, this is a very, this should be a low bar. But I've heard it said that people, if the, if the bar is, is how you treat a good friend, <laughs> your spouse, you should be treating better. And yet I see so many instances where people say words to their spouse that they would never say to a good friend because they know they no longer have that friend.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So, so,
1: so, so let's, let's at least set the good friend standard for getting along with our spouses. Yeah. I would but agree with you. You'd think I wasn't much of a divorce lawyer since I want to help people save their marriages, <laughs> but, um,
0: well a lot of people come to me over the years you could you could take on that slogan it's not being used anymore reasonable solutions for reasonable people uh... but you gotta get to the reasonable person first and uh... then i'm sure that can be difficult i have uh, another d- a question regarding your practice and and uh, uh... and and so forth your experience has there been a situation where and again they will share with you only what they want to you never right. ask them to That's reveal Maroon. things um has there ever been a situation where from your observation and experience you're going yeah we need to bring this one to a quick close and get these two separated and divorced because of course you know this is a no-win for both of violence then we've got to make sure that
1: nobody gets hurt anymore but if they have children together Mm. we should not rule out and they should not rule out the possibility that the family is reunified under a new regime, so to speak, yeah. where there'll be no more domestic violence. Yeah. No, I wouldn't expose anybody to, to domestic violence. Um, I was a champion of of um, protecting women really before it was in vogue, at least here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was donating to the women's shelter um, and uh, very, very supportive of that. Uh, and, and by the way, every once in a while, we have a man who's being assaulted by his wife. I've got a video, which I can't show you because it's a client. But The wife has picked up the phone, which is about like this, and is pounding it in the video. And he's he's doing this, he's filming it. So we got proof that she did it.
0: Yeah. Now what about, but, but there's also not just physical, there's mental, emotional, verbal abuse. Is that under the same category? Is that something that's different? Well, it doesn't,
1: you don't call the police over, Mental, emotional, and verbal abuse, but you might get a divorce over mental, yeah. emotional, and verbal abuse. But if if somebody's abusing somebody, again, let's just go back to the book. It, it, you're you're not treating them as an equal. You failed to, that commandment. You're not appreciating your spouse. Um, so so, I want people not to get there. I want them yeah. to know the Ten Commandments of marriage from the point of view of this divorce lawyer. And 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 avoid these mistakes. Just yesterday, a client was in my office. She was sad. I'm not mentioning names, so mm-hmm. I can talk about mm-hmm. it. She was sad because her husband, as she said, well, I'm not sure that I don't want to be in a marriage where he doesn't want me. But on the other hand, she was very, very sad that he didn't want her. Uh, and I don't know the particulars, and I wouldn't describe them here. But she said, I want your book. I hope she reads it. I hope it helps her. Yeah. I hope she goes to her husband and says, "Look, you've done it. you've done this wrong and you've done this wrong. But if you would do this and this right, we'd be back together and we'd be happy." Yeah, I'm that's, curious. That's, that's the idea. This, these commandments are to be referred to yeah. and pointed out to difficult, yeah.
0: recalcitrant spouses and I'm curious also because you have had some successes in turning the divorce process around Uh, I'm curious how quickly what's what's been the quickest turnaround for a couple going through this process well I'll tell you this
1: uh, I'll tell you this Richard actually probably a third of the people who come in and meet at least with this lawyer who are remember I said early in our conversation today people are in some phase of of a troubled marriage. Mm -hmm. They may be living together. They often are living together. And so they want to know what their legal rights are. And I tell them what their legal rights are. I, I, I listen to them long enough to understand as thoroughly as possible the picture that they're living in and hear them out as thoroughly as possible. And I even say, well, if your spouse were sitting in this chair right here, what would he or she say about the marriage? Because often that's where the real confession comes out. Mm. Somebody will tell me for an hour what's going on in the marriage. And then I say, well, what would your, let's say your husband say? And she'd say, uh, well, my husband says, um, I'm a drunk. Nobody mentioned drinking in the first hour, you understand. Mm-hmm. And I didn't ask, but it's amazing how when you ask them what the spouse would say, what comes out. Mm-hmm. But what I want to get to is approximately a third of the people who come in needing information, leave armed with the information they needed, and don't necessarily break up.
0: Mm.
1: So, so you say, how quick is the turnaround? Maybe as quick as our meeting. Mm. Uh, but mostly, I hope I empower people when they're getting that initial consultation with knowing what their legal rights are, Knowing what the other side's responsibilities are, sort of like your free speech uh, has, needs a corollary about responsibility, mm-hmm. then they can go home and say, look, I, I, I've been to a lawyer, and that scares the daylights out of the other spouse, and that can make things work better just those dropping those words um, on the other spouse. But I've been to another lawyer, I do, I've been to a lawyer, I know my legal rights, and what you're doing or what you think is going to happen when we break up is wrong. I'm going to get half of what you've got. Um, In fact, there was a, a, a romantic comedy on TV a bunch of years ago where where the man said. Let's see, he said. He said. Basically, I can get rid of you in the marriage to the wife, and she says, yeah, I can get rid of you and have half your stuff. So they stayed together in the TV show.
0: Now, uh, have you ever had a situation? That will be the last question on this, this uh, topic. Have you ever had a situation where one or both parties just basically, basically say, just give me the papers and let me sign. I don't care about the stuff. There are no kids involved. Okay, let's just make that clear. No kids involved. I don't care. I just want out. Yes,
1: I've had a lady who came in and said, I don't want the cheese, I just want out of the trap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and she has a sense of humor, too.
1: And I like that. That's very good. We're talking but, with uh, the,
0: David Erdman. He is the author of The Ten Commandments of Marriage Secrets of a uh, Divorce Lawyer. I'm Richard Dugan. This is Tell Me Your Story. David Erdman, uh, this is the point of the program where. I ask my guest three final questions the same questions I ask everybody you may have addressed them a little bit during the program but I like to ask them directly Uh, before I do though David I've got to let our listeners and viewers know that you can listen to this program on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. and that's our special edition of Tell Me Your Story Uh, we stream live at RichardDugan.com and you can also Also, listen to the podcast, because remember, the radio broadcast, you don't get everything because, well, you know, we have a a limited amount of time on the radio, the terrestrial radio. But the podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other platforms across the Internet. We are also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. And a reminder that we will be linked to David Erdman's website, the 10 commandments of marriage.com We hope that you will uh, make it a point to go there and uh, pick up a copy of his book and read about David. He's very extraordinary and interesting gentleman. We hope that you'll find out more about him. We also hope that uh, you will find it within your hearts to, uh, to support what we're doing here on the program, Tell Me Your Story. Uh, PayPal is uh, sort of our partners, if you will. Uh, in that uh, we use them for uh, paying things as well as receiving donation support for this program. I will remind you, it's been a while since I've reminded you, we are not, we are not tax-exempt we are not a nonprofit. However, <laughs> PayPal does take a little portion, a little, little piece, and they're entitled because they're providing this service. When you go to PayPal and you want to send, uh, put in my email address, richard at richarddugan.com. That's richard at richarddugan.com. And also participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision. Spend that quiet time going within. I think, uh, David, they would even refer to it as, sort of as your, in manner of speaking, your prayer closet where you listen to that still small voice. You can converse back and forth. Nothing wrong with that. And just relax, re-energize, rejuvenate. And um, one, of our, one of our programmers actually, our guests, has said, even if it's just for 60 seconds, 60 seconds, and maybe it will grow from there. So with all of that said, here we go the final three questions I'm um, looking forward to as them. as always I feel like I'm on a game by, by show. the way the
1: harder you throw them the further I can hit them
0: <laughs> and I hope you hit them out of the park <clears throat> uh, the first one is who is David Erdman
1: David Erdman has had one of the most interesting lives a person could ever hope to have happily married to a wonderful woman I was an investigator on the Senate Watergate committee I'm the only one in Charlotte, North Carolina, who worked on the Watergate Committee staff. And I've had a successful law practice, and I want to help people as I've really tried to help throughout my career, but wrote this book late in life after I could honestly say I'd met with more than 5,000 people at some stage of distress in their marriage. Um, I want to share what I've learned. I hope that it'll outlive me.
0: What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now?
1: Well, I want to, I'm like every human being, I want a fulfilled life. And if I found what I was doing to be no longer fulfilling, then I would not do it any longer. But if it is fulfilling for me, and I'm providing a service that people wish to have and come to me for, Um, that's, that's, um, that's fulfilling, but, but I live personally a marriage centered life. I actually do. That's why I can write about it in this book. That's why one of the commandments is live a marriage centered life, because that's a decision I told my wife 35 years ago that I had heard a concept marriage centered life. And Mm. I said, we should do that. And she said, yeah, we should. And uh, we have, and we still know that we do. So, so um, that, that means the core of my life is not in this law office. It's at home with my wife. Mm-hmm.
0: And finally, what is your life's purpose? Well, my life's
1: purpose is to be creative. I've been creative. I've, you may not know this or you may not be able to tell this, but I practice law in an almost unique manner, somewhat copied in my region, um, but I have pretty much made my own path, listened to my own tune, marched to my own drummer, because in every way in my law practice, I've tried to do it the way I would want it if I were the client. And that means complete transparency which is kind of unheard of in my business. Hmm. And, uh, and efficiency. I happen to have an engineering degree, and I use it to be an efficient user of technology and time uh, and ideas. So I'm going to say I'm a creative person
0: at core. Well, David, I, uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. This has been, uh, uh, from my perspective, extraordinary. I also though you don't know this, and I know you're not one, uh, but this uh, this program that I do on a regular basis is my therapy.
1: <laughs> well, happy I could be of any assistance, but I appreciate the, uh, the privilege of, uh, of appearing with you, Richard, and, uh, and thank you for your interest in my book. And if you don't mind, I'll just remind everybody, it's called The Ten Commandments of Marriage, Don't be fooled by any other books by the same name. (laughs) Look for the one that says Secrets of a Divorced Lawyer.
0: There are many imitations and only one original, and that's the one by David Erdman. And uh, we thank him again for joining us, and I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story. New paradigms for a new world, and until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to love.